chasingruse.com. If you haven't been there yet, do you even listen to this podcast? Of course, it is the online store for international rugby league fans. We are proud of the stock we have on there. We've got some exciting things coming as well, like some USA Hawk stuff and some Filipino, new Filipino jerseys for their match against Brazil in a few weeks' time. We're really excited. Just had a guy, I won't name him, but some absolute champion who, of course, listens to the show. He just bought himself a Peru rugby league jersey, along with a Netherlands rugby league jersey, along with one of my favourites, the Cameroon jersey and a Ghana jersey. Absolute champion. He's going to be a lucky man, um, yeah, wearing, wearing some very unique kit around the place, around the gym, around the shops, wherever he wants. Uh, you can do it to chasingroos.com. And of course, as a listener of the show, you get your 10% discount. Just use the code what is up, one word, what is up. The same way I start the podcast every week is the same way we start our very first uh, discount code. So get 10% off, jump on chasingroos.com. Of course, I need to thank our man, Matty Haynes, absolute amazing supporter of this podcast. Check him out, matthaynesport.com.au. His logo designs, jersey designs, phenomenal also produces kit as well. If you need your kit designed, if you need it produced, let him know you are a kangaroo chaser. He'll give you 10% off his kit production as well. Uh, big thanks for your support, Maddie. Love having you on board as a sponsor this year and we will keep giving you love. We know You know our fans love you as well. All right, guys, let's go on with the show. What is up, Kangaroo Chasers? And I'm recording this one a few days before State of Origin Game 1, and we're releasing it the day after. So I'm going to have to make some predictions and just see how I go for fun. Maybe I'll, I'll win a sandwich against myself. I don't know how that works exactly, but let's do it. So prediction one, New South Wales won the match. Number two, Josh Adokar scored a hat-trick. And number three, I reckon both teams had a player sent off. So let's see how I go. Uh, go the Blues. Uh, could look like an absolute idiot by the time this comes out, but eh, no stranger to that. Now, this week, we're going to get some insight into the grassroots and development of rugby league in New South Wales, so a little bit closer to home. And Big T, he recorded this interview in a pub, so it's got a really cool sound to it, uh, before we started our NARL deep dive journey uh, a couple of months ago now. So it's a great chat with Newtown Jets director and the voice of Steel Sports, Albie Tellerico. Uh, he's been on one of our call, uh, listener call-in shows before, so you may recognise the voice. Um, and we wanted to save this one up until origin time. So it's not origin-related per se, uh, like every other rugby league podcast you've listened to this week, but it does have a great New South Wales development flavour to it. So we thought, you know, considering the types of pods we release, it might be might be a good one and a little bit different for you guys to listen to, a little bit of a break from the uh, all the origin talk you're hearing everywhere else. So... If you like this episode, I recommend you check out episode number 72. It's in the back catalogue, obviously, from last year. It's called Try Rugby League, and it features New South Wales Rugby League CEO David Trodden. Um, it's a Big T interview as well, so he's killing it lately, but another great Big T interview with Dave. Um, also, if you haven't done so already, be sure to listen to the pod we dropped on Tuesday, episode two of our Chaser spin-off pod. Getting some good feedback uh, for these and um, really appreciate the feedback, guys, from all the regular kangaroo chasers. So if you want to drop us a line on Instagram or Facebook, it's at Chasing Roos. On Twitter, I'm at Chasing Roos Pod. Um, yeah, check it out. And, of course, check out ChasingRoos.com. 
for some news and uh, some cool jerseys from around the world as well if you're, if you're keen on buying. Um, guys, enjoy this conversation. Over to the biggest tiger, the legend, the champion himself. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 117 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. There's one thing I know about you, it's that you've got to start recording early because there's very few things that you say that aren't worth listening to, mate, so... You can hear me from here? I can, yeah, yeah. yeah good. Cool. Music's playing in the background. Dinner's just about to turn up. That's exciting. Can you tell me what, what, you, what you ordered? Oh, going to go hamburger and chips tonight. So I'm really excited about that. I think it's a really good thing. Hamburger and chips. Hey, yeah. you've, you've had them here? Yeah. We're at a cute little Inner West pub, and so... Often, uh, you were telling me before you come here before Rugby League the Musical. Always. Go down and see Dennis. Uh, Dennis Carnahan, who I think is the... I think he's the great... He's a great poet for Rugby League, isn't he? Yeah. When you think about it, and he's a great satirist. Um, and he's not sarcastic when he does his comedy, and, I, and that's what I love about him. And the cricket one I'm looking forward to... I do like my cricket, but uh, test, of course. But Dennis is a rugby league man. I mean, he's a Canberra man, just as much as you're a Tigers man. There's yeah. a lot of connections there. Yeah. Uh, what would have happened? Um, I suppose you could say the, it would have been a great, interesting grand final. Maybe one day the hypothetical, if you haven't already done it. I did. I didn't do any. I didn't do any. Well, it's just Mate. too. It's too upsetting. I'd rather leave it alone. It's like all of those Dragons fans that think about the '90s and all of the Brisbane yeah. ones that could have done. Well, we had four goes in the 90s, 92, 93, 6 and 9. But I actually felt that the one that that we should have won was the 93 one. Yeah. We'd beaten Brisbane three times that year. Oh, really? Trial and two other games. We had the wood on them. Yeah. But they just didn't turn up on uh, on grand final day. And that's the one. You'd already lost the one the year before, so this was the one you were supposed to win, yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't to be. Brian Smith, unfortunately, I think sometimes when it comes to that main stage with the big bright light. Right. I think he just gets bewildered. And it's no disrespect to him because he's a fantastic man and a fantastic yeah. coach. And those that, that really admire him as a coach and, and as, a, as a guy, nothing short of amazing. Just a terrific guy. He made a bunch of grand finals, didn't he? Didn't win any of them. Yeah. What a and, you know, there was a, I think there was a coach in the Buffalo Bills that did the same thing. I think he was oh, in really? four or five. Very similar. And uh, But you know what? That's just what it is. And then you look at guys that coach the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. Look at grand finals there and they know what they're doing, you know? Wayne Bennett's now finally lost one. Yeah, right. He still hasn't got that third club yet. No one else has done that. Not even Jack Gibson could do that. Yeah, right. So that's what he's hanging on for. I think that's... This is his year. Yeah. This is it. 
After did, this, forget about it. Did Jack take Newtown to a grand final? No, he took St George to a grand final in 71. And West, so he uh, played in West. Played for one. West in 1963. Yeah. Right. In the game, that if you spoke to the, la- the late great Noel Kelly, would tell you that they were robbed. Yeah. And they probably were. Yeah. But be that as it may, Jack then took St George, who were no chance of making the grand final in 1971 and got all three grades in, which is a very oh, yeah, proud day. Back in, yeah. And he introduced a film that was created by uh, a salesman. Yeah. It was called The Second Ethic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very hard to get a hold of. But if you've ever seen it, it's transformative. Yeah. And he basically brought into things called the Lombardi clock based on the great Vince Lombardi from the uh, NFL. And I remember interviewing Jeff Carr and he basically said that the Vince Lombardi clock was set 10 minutes before everyone else. Yeah. You got there but 10 minutes before. And he said, so there were guys turning up half an hour before and this ran through the whole club. Yeah. All three grades made it. But they were a young side at that time up against the great South Sydney. And this year is the 50th anniversary of their last premiership of the 70s. Mm. I believe that they're going to have a celebration around August for that, South Juniors. Right. And I'll try and get along to that. It'll be fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why we love you, Albie, because you've always got something going, mate. There's always... Well, you've got to, you know. You can't sit around and you've got to have an interest outside of work. Yeah. Sometimes if the interest takes over work, there's a problem. (laughs) But, you know, there's... It's in your blood. Yeah. I was brought up with it, you know, and I remember seeing Ted Goodwin in colour. You've got to understand, you know, when, when we grew up in the 70s, I watched black and white football. Right, right. But the first game I watched in colour was at my grandparents' place in Enfield. And uh, my grandfather, my pop, my mother's side, was a, our main supporter because he knew Latcham Robinson. Oh, right, used to right. make cards with him. Wow. They named the grandstand after Yeah, yeah. So he was a Balmain boy, but he was a ball boy for Souths as well. So he had a great affiliation with Souths, but he was, you know, he was a cranky old fellow, but I got to watch that grand final in 1977, and Ted Goodwin scored that try. Now, I was a young fellow, come 78, and he's no longer in red and white. And it was confusing for a young bloke. Why wasn't he there? What had happened? He ends up with Newtown. St George have a terrible year in 78 because of that. And then in 79, uh, they are now going back to back. Graham Wynn comes and plays up against I think the first game in 79 was St George versus Manly and I remember listening to it on Frank Hyde and I can I vividly wow. remember where I was and I had my little book out and took the scores down really? and no mobile phones in those yeah, days and yeah. you bring your mates and go, did you listen to it? And then you had to watch it at 6. <laughs> it was uh, Sunday night at 6.30, Rex Mosser. Wow. And a 90-minute game was cut down to 42 minutes mm. from 6.30 to 7.30 on Sevens Big League and that's what we got. And just Rex Mosser and... Um and the other bloke you said Barry that, Ross. and but Frank Hyde, all of those amazing yeah. names that are just, you know, almost fabric of, of league in Australia, but I almost unheard. You almost never hear their voices, but you hear their names constantly echoed through. Well, I was a big Cole Pearce fan because he was a former referee. Right. Very serious man, according to Noel Kelly. I never got to meet him, though. Um, the Cole Pearce... Copies his granddaughter is married to Brian Fletcher. Oh, wow. So there's an incredible connection there. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. They do now. Yeah. Um, but I always liked Cole Pierce because he was very serious, but I liked Bill Morty as well. And he was on 2UE. And Bill broke all the stories. Bill broke it before anyone else. Yeah, right. Bill went into boxing after that and managed Jeff and Nick and uh, then Costa Gio. Wow. 
Yeah, he passed. I think he passed away of lung cancer. He used to smoke. If Smoker was an Olympic sport, I reckon Bill Morty would have been a gold medal for sure. <laughs> right. Basically, he used to live at the pub, and, and he had two, there were two telephones, one for him and one for the pub. <laughs> and that's how it worked. Did your grandfather then get you into football? Is that how it started? Or? Uh, he was one of the ones who liked watching it. See, on Saturdays, when I got... Because my mum worked shift work, of course. So on Saturdays, I'd watch the VFL with him. Mm-hmm. And then Sundays, I'd watch the league as well. So. Wow. But it was on ABC a bit later on. See, it was never live. Yeah, right. So on ABC at 6 o'clock. Uh, and that was when it was, uh, I think, might have been Jim Lyle or Alan Marks used to commentate on the TV. Yeah. And is that how you've ended up with still liking both? Because you still have a fan hat for, for AFL and for the Yeah, era, yeah. Right? Well, growing up, my brother played it. And, and I knew a couple of guys that went on to play for first-grade clubs in the AFL. Oh, okay. In the AFL. So that was a good thing. But, you know, league's always predominantly. I mean, my father was soccer. Yeah. We right. grew up in, a, in an Italian, half-Italian household, so it was Arpia Marconi versus everyone else. Yeah, right. And we lived down the road from Sydney, where Sydney Olympic played. So I was, I, I ran up when they had that big ride. I was looking through the fence. It was mental. Wow. Back in the 80s. And that was when, that was pretty much the beginning and the end for a long time for soccer in, in Sydney. Yeah. You know, it was sad. But it took a while. It'll come back eventually if they can get their act together. But it's very political. Are you a Sydney FC fan now, would you a say? A little, but not a lot. No. Yeah, no. no. Yeah, okay. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And do you follow the... So rugby league, you obviously follow internationally and locally and, and, and AFL, you can't. But the soccer, do you follow that? Do you follow Italy yeah, or whatever? Well, I, I follow... I watch Italy. I love the World Cup, but I, I love the Euro as well. Yeah, OK. You know, we did quite well a few years ago on betting and that was a lot of fun. OK. <laughs> Let that alone. <laughs> but, you, but all of your extra time, you said before you needed... Everyone needs a, something outside of work. Of course. You've put all of that energy and time really into rugby league. You, you still follow AFL, you follow soccer. A bit, but well, since the 1990s, I was a um, late. I played it when I was a kid, league, and I loved it, but I couldn't go on with it for a lot of reasons. Uh, then in the 90s, I became a referee, so I refereed what? probably 200 games in junior rugby league at South. I uh, did about four seasons there, that was a lot of fun. And we're talking, we used to run. You'd run the line and then you'd do centres, what we used to call centres. Yeah. And so you'd do maybe four or five matches an afternoon. Yeah, yeah. So it's a big day. Yeah. So by the time, a lot, what a lot of people don't realise is when a referee gets to first grade, they've refereed probably 2,000 matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's an incredible amount. It's an incredible amount. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably too much. Mm. But that's okay. That's okay. And then later on, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, I had to concentrate on work. Uh, my career took me elsewhere. And then a friend of mine invited me to get involved with the Coogee Dolphins. So I used to run the water for them. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, barley happened. And there was no one there to take over the club, so I became president. So I had to then buy books on crisis management, sales, speech writing, uh, you name it. Wow. Leadership. Yeah. I read when he was a good leader, Rudy Giuliani's book on leadership and what yeah. to do in, in, a, in a situation because they'd only experienced 9-11 the year before thereabouts. Yeah. Crisis management. I got a book on that and read that. And bit by bit, we had to turn the club around. And we had, we had some good, good hard-working people on the committee. Some people there with their hands out. And that's always a problem with league. But What do you mean with their hands out? Like they uh, want something for... There's opportunists. Whenever there's a disaster, I've learned that there's always opportunists. Oh. So... We had to whittle them away, which we did. It took a year, and we almost we almost pulled it off, but we didn't. But then the following year, we pulled it off. We went, no, no publicity. 
we shut the doors down. No journalists, no television cameras, no radio, no nothing. We didn't tell the papers that we won the grand final to two weeks after. Wow. Because we didn't want them there. And we won the grand final for the first time in, in the club's history. And it was, wow. And it went on for three days. The party went on actually four days. Yeah. Uh, the players will tell you it went for longer. And then we went to America after that and played as the curtain raiser match before the very first America-Australia test. Wow. And nothing's happened since then in America mm. to promote a little games, you know. I apologise. I mean, you know, South, Russell Crowe's done his bit. Yeah. But if we want to break the biggest market in the world mm. with some of the greatest athletes mm. who are withering away after college, that's the joint. Mm. But we've got to start it slow. We've got to really get into the college system. There are 70,000 players that play rugby union in college in America. 70,000. Yeah, wow. And if you can get 20% of those, yeah, fantastic. You're laughing. Yeah. You're laughing. Yeah. Okay. You just finished an excellent-looking hamburger. Uh, that was, I have to, to say, in the top five hamburgers I've ever had. Now, have you had one? You've had one here before, right? Not there, not, not oh, like that. Shit. No, no. And so you just went. You've been here a bunch of times and ordered something. Not had that hamburger. Before. I usually have the schnitzel, the chicken, yeah, the steak, right. you know. But that was really good. Yeah. You and know? can we also just quickly talk about how you ate it? Is that something we can have? We on can. Record? We can absolutely. <laughs> because you opened it up and ate it was, salad it first. It was a. Uh, what do they call it? What do they call it? Deconstructed. Deconstructed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> put it on. Put it on. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. You should have taken a photo with it. <laughs> uh, OK, now you talked before about Newtown and, and uh, Jack Gibson. So how did you get from your Coogee Dolphins? Yes. How did you then end up in Newtown, Newtown Jets? We have to go back to 1978. Our neighbours were a guy called Frank Oliveri, and his eldest son played for Newtown. But he was coming towards the tail end of his career. But he was also in the police force and he would play under Brian Moore, who was an outstanding player for Newtown, but he was also the police sergeant for training uh, at the time at Redfern and then eventually Goulburn. Okay. Dave was a nice bloke. I met him a few times when I was younger. He's, you know, quite a few. He'd be 20 years older than me. But knowing the fact that I knew a first-grade footballer when I was... It was just next level. Yeah. And he was tough. And we talk rugby league, and he tell me stories about Newtown, some of which I never understood until recently. <laughs> and then he tell me stories about the Henson Park Hotel, some of which I never understood until a few years ago because I was too young and too naive. And in Nashville, there are only two things. You know, Western Suburbs was the team. Yeah. And my father loved West because he loved Tommy Rodonicus. So anyway, Tommy left and went to Newtown. Mm. So my father started to go for Newtown because he loved Tommy, because he was upset with West for not keeping him. So I said, I'll go for Newtown. And he sort of kind of liked John Singleton as well. Yep. And my, man, my old man is never short of a few words. He will always say plenty, like someone else I know. Yeah. Anyway, I get to go to a game at Henson Park, 80 or 81. And it was extraordinary. God, it was a lot of fun. Mm. And I just really enjoyed it. But didn't go back there again for probably 30 years because my mate's brother were playing for the reps for the Roosters and they used to play there. So I went and watched them. And I'm looking around the gun going, I've been here before and then bit by bit things happen. Anyway, in 2000 and... 
2012, I started doing some calling. Actually, a few years before that, for Triple H, Hornsbury's community station. Okay. By chance, the main sponsor of our station sponsored the Barara Wallabies and the Newtown Jets. Wow. So he said, would you call some Newtown games? So we did. We called a couple in the mid-2000s. And then later on, I got to know him quite well. He was a nice chap. And so it was a credit union at the time. So he was the main sponsor for both of these clubs. So on some alternate days, and then I just started, kept going there, and I realised how good it was. Yeah. 2013 comes along, and I said, I'm going to start my own thing because, there, you know, there were a few reasons. And I went to Newtown, Terry Rowney, and I had lunch with him. And when you take Terry to lunch, you've got to make sure you've got a big bank balance. Right. Because he can eat and he can drink. <laughs> but I matched him. And in the end, we did a deal. And he took it to the board, and the board were very grateful at the time. And we really pumped Newtown sponsors. And we got a really good loyal following. And this went on for a couple of years. We had a couple of diversions with various other entities and things like that. Uh, people coming and going and having to go at calling footy. And, you know, just recently Luke Potter, who did some games with us, is now on a station in Wollongong, which is fantastic. Yeah. So it's opened doors for some people. Daniel Pettigrew is down in Melbourne. He's doing great. Is this um, still sport? Is yeah, that what you mean? still yeah, sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we did all of this. So then I expanded it to cover Wests at the time. They were Balmain and Wests. Yeah. Uh, and, and, of, and of late South. However, Newtown don't hold the number one ratings figures with Steel Sports. Wow. That was Balmain and North in a semi-final in 2013 at Leichhardt Oval. Wow. And it was a six o'clock kickoff. So it was on Fox. But we had all the inside mail. And those guys, you know, to their credit, they hadn't called that division all year. So we had a lot of calls from people saying, we've turned the sound down and we're listening to you guys. Wow. We're getting texts and messages. And I kept getting these emails and these texts that, you know, my bandwidth is going higher and higher and higher. And I'm going, is there a problem? To the technical guy goes, no, don't worry, I've got it all under control. So we had over 8,500 listens, wow. which was a massive figure. Yeah. So I went, hello, we've got to do something. You know, this is fantastic. Yeah. So Balmain, it was Balmain's, I think, close to Balmain's last semi-final. Um, and that was fantastic. But I'm going to go back a year because Newtown won the grand final in 2012 and we called them all the way through, right. but we couldn't call the grand final. And if you look on YouTube, you can hear me commentating without breath the last 90 seconds as they score a try and win and get into eighth place and then go on and win the premiership. Wow. But we did a lot of great things with Still Sports and we just took it to a new era, I think, and a new market as well. Yeah. And our good rating days was when it rained and the purists come out and they liked what they heard. And we were all about just promoting sponsors that promoted rugby league. No right. one else, just right. those people. That, that was the deal. You know, some people get it, some people don't. But we did a lot of good things. And, you know, well, you know, you make mistakes along the way, but we got good promotions, great commentators. Curtis Woodward, who was just one of the most passionate. If I thought I was passionate about rugby league, he'd be the next most. And he, his love of southwestern Campbelltown and the neglect of that right, area, right. you talk to him. He could talk to you for hours about that area because mm. he was involved with it. Yeah, yeah. And 
you know, everyone blames West Tigers, they blame Western Suburbs, but there's a whole nother story about that, about what happened in that area. And it happened for a long time and finally it's now going to resolve itself, but it's going to take five to ten years before they can get it right. It's not going to happen overnight because so many people leave disillusioned. Yeah, right. When, when people leave rugby league, they leave totally disillusioned. Yeah. Because they can't do it anymore and they just can't put up with the fight or that one person. We've lost people in our junior footy club. There's always that one person, but that's just the way it is. Right. You can't do a lot. And, you, and if you get rid of that person, who's going to replace them? Yeah. And so you're a big, passionate person for amateur rugby league media, would you say? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. that's where the grassroots are. You can't. The great mythology about rugby league from the NRL is how much they look after grassroots. It's a myth. Mm. It never happens. Mm. It doesn't happen at all. And you're saying not just in a player thing, but also in a media or... or yeah. All there, needs to be, there needs to be more coverage. Yeah. Now, bit by bit, it'll happen with, with, you know, these great independent media networks. Every time a podcast starts on rugby league, someone's going to listen about the game. Yeah. And what's got them frightened, the established media, so much so that they do podcasts. Remember, yeah. they never did podcasts a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. I helped set up the Roosters Radio podcast. Yeah. Now there are Dragons with Red V and Jack Clifton, yeah. uh, which are all amateur-based. Yeah. West Tigers, there's a South Sydney, the Rabbitohs Radio going fantastic, yeah. those boys. Yeah. Now they've got access because they're two former players. Yeah. Darren and Steve. Yeah. And they've got great voices. I sat down with them, help them fine-tune a couple of things and said, why don't you go take it live? And they did. And all of a sudden now on the away games or on the Homebush games, they're there at the uh, Henry Morris Bar at South Studios, uh, signing autographs, uh, getting photos, engaging with people. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, these people just want... I mean, if I could get a photo, uh, and, I, and I have done, say Craig Young was there. Yeah. Or Arthur Beetson. I've had photos with both. Nothing better in my world. Mm. I had a photo with Wayne Bennett. I almost cried. Yeah, yeah. You know? That, you know, a selfie for people like me and you and, you know, it is just... The old days, you get the signature in the book, remember? Yeah, yeah, little, yeah. Everyone had an yeah, autograph yeah. book. Mm. Those sorts of things. If you engage and you bring back those old blokes and have six or seven in there and just have a beer with them and talk to them about football and stuff, you will re-engage with your old fans. Yeah. Your old fans will bring their, their sons. Yeah. They'll start re-engaging and all of a sudden you're going to find two or three players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every amateur club should have an ambassador from the NRL or from their designated club for that club. So I'm going to give you an example. Penshurst, and I know uh, Cole, Cole Fraser, former St George player, played for St George and Easts. He's a great guy, loves his rugby league, was the CEO of the Western Reds. Wow. He's now back involved with Penshurst. Right. He sat down with St George players and said, well, we need you to come along. The old ones, go and talk to some of the old blokes there. Go and have a beer with them. Mm. Get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. There was a photo today. Cameron Murray went back to Mascot Jets to get a photo with the kids. Yeah, right. When they got that photo, where are they going to take that? They're going to show their mates the next day yeah, and they're going to take the show on mum and dad. Yeah. Mum and dad are going to give their blessing to play more rugby league. Yeah, yeah. A lot of clubs do do it, but we need to do more of it. Yeah. Sometimes it can be structured, sometimes it doesn't. But Mascot's a powerful club because they had smart investors. But there are a lot of clubs out there that get nothing. And they survive on four-fifths of bugger all. Yeah. A smart treasurer. I've never known, and most treasurers are women, and they know how to balance a checkbook. They can make a dollar become two and two dollars become five. And club treasurers are the best in the world. There needs to be a whole game approach and there needs to be liquidity into every... Every, every club should get a grant, no matter how big or how small. 
just get them going. Right. And then every club should have a, a, an audit and every club should have someone that'll go to them in case of an emergency. We have a problem with gig. Bang, we'll get your gig. You go to the AFL, you need something, it's there the next day. Right, right. We need to be that good. Yeah. We're not. We're getting there. There's small steps being taken. Yeah. Some of the tri-league programs with the New South Wales Rugby League, they had a group of guys, and I spoke to Luke Ellis about this, that were doing, I think, Oztag. That whole squad now plays tackle. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. More kids pick up a ball and run with it than kick it. Yeah, yeah. In Australia, and in particular New South Wales. So whether it's touch, tag or tackle, yeah. but there needs to be more cohesion. Yeah. Um, and once they do that... League's unbeatable. Yeah. And can something like, like what, what can Newtown do? Like, can it get into, into schools and stuff in that area, or is it too small? It's not too small, hard? no. But I think what has to happen is that they, again, say the New South Wales Rugby League, we want to get schools playing rugby league again, because I played in a schools comp back in the 80s. The Commonwealth Bank Cup was the premium competition. Everyone knows that. Right. But I, we played in a division under, um, and you know what? We worked hard and we played hard. But after a while, people got hurt. Schools don't want the liability with it anymore, yeah, yeah. you know, and the insurances. The biggest cost for most clubs and organisations, insurances. What needs to happen is that the New South Wales Rugby League should pay for all insurances, straight across the board. The NRL should provide grassroots funding in cash and contra. The districts, through their clubs via... And, and in all honesty, poker machine losses. Yeah. Okay? That's a fact of life, right? Should then play a little bit more liquidity into it and they take care of the ground. We, rugby league plays a lot of money to councils for ground hire. Yeah. You know, fair enough, no problem. But some of the standards, some of the quality and the, and the facilities are substandard. If you want to pay two or $3,000 for a, a Sunday afternoon, you expect it to be good. Yeah. So councils need to get on board. But that, you know, I think once you get liquidity near the system, I, I spoke with, you know, Ben Eichen about this recently, and I'm, you know, very passionate about making sure we get the money to stay in the game. One argument that came to me was, you know, we don't want to give the clubs money because they could possibly abuse it. Maybe so. People abuse money in banks. Yeah, right. Big businesses. Wherever. There's always that. But the vast majority of people are honest. But you trust a volunteer with your child, and generally most times a stranger when you yeah, think about it. Yeah, no, that's true. You know? So you can't trust him with a couple of thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. AFL go to schools. They're looking for heart. They're looking for players, hearts and minds. And they know that someone like me can't play. But my brother was six foot. He could play, and he did. So they got him. But they got my mother to become a member of the Swans way back when. Right. So she's invested in that club. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't get the kid, you try and get the parent. Yeah. And you get them to become a member. So maybe what they've got to look at is, you know, and I know they've got all these surveys, but what they've got to look at is how do we get these kids to play football? And you've got these kids that are not as developed as the Polynesian boys. Yeah. But then again, you've got the Polynesian boys that are physically bigger, but they're not quite mentally. And it's not because they, you know, you can't put a 13 up against a 17 year old. It just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you can structurally get into a 14 or 15. You know, they used to say, oh, the old wait for age. Yeah, yeah. I remember the, the wait for age work. But he's not mature yet. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to get that kid hurt. One, it'll break his heart, break his spirit. Yeah. And then you don't want to go into the mental side of things as well. Yeah, so yeah. there's a gradual push there. I think they're trying. But I'll give you an example. Years and years ago, our junior footy club letterboxed the old-fashioned way, letterboxed an area. 
And we've got a group of 20 kids. And this is now 13 years ago, maybe 14. We've got a couple of parents. Those parents have been involved with the club for 13 years. Yeah. He, one of the boys that came, his dad took on the coaching role and coached them. Anyway, he realised that he was not going to get them to where they wanted to be. To his credit, he stood down and he said, I can't coach the boys. I don't have the know-how. I can't run all the players. So two of the boys that played in our club that won premierships did the coaching course and started. They've now won back-to-back premierships. Wow. That's a great story. But we need to get more of those guys to put back into the game. Yeah, right. I mean, the other day I went and had a drinks for one of the coaches' birthdays and these 18-year-old boys, I mean, it took me back. I mean, I'm 51, Mm. you know. I'm 30 years older than these kids. But it was just great to see the camaraderie, the mateship. They'll never go anywhere else. We said, you're coming back? Absolutely. Well, you're going to have to play in Blacktown. We don't care. We just want to be back with our mates. Yeah, yeah. And... Around Coogee Way, we've got the Wombats, you've got Maroubra, you've got Southeastern, you've got Clovelly. And we found these kids that all went to Marsland. So they couldn't play football or league for their school, which used to be a strong league school. Right. They're now playing for the Dolphins. So that's a great thing. Mm. And I just think that what we've got to try and do is... I, I want to go back into public schools. And I don't care if they play touch or tag, yeah. but I want them to start wearing jerseys again. And I think the, the districts have got to take control of those schools yeah. and say, right, you're in this district. They've got to sit down with Oztag. It's owned by Perry Haddock and his partner. Sit down with him because he uses the same colours and names. He doesn't quite use the logos, you know. Right. But they've got to talk to him. And I reckon an inter-school competition... You and I are big lads. Back in our day, we would have been a centre and probably a second row. Maybe now I'm a prop, but you know <laughs> what I mean? But that's the beautiful thing about it is that we all had a go. And I, we, I learned how to tackle the hard way. I got knocked down. My nose got broke. Never did it again. Yeah. But I went back on the field and I tackled and had a really good coach. And so education, coaching, I would spend as much as we can on coaches. Don't lose them. Keep them going. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get everyone perfect, but what we've got to try and do is really, the big thing is education. So maybe New South Wales Rugby League should be insurance and education. NRL should be funding, direct funding, contra and cash, and the district clubs provide the balance. And for every club that raises money for charity, they should get a, should get a discount or dispensation. Yeah, I'll right. give an example. Could your Dolphins have raised quarter million dollars, maybe more for charities? I bet any other club to beat that level. You know, we know how to turn it on. And sometimes it's only a tweak. Sometimes it's getting the right venue. It's just getting the district club involved. I mean, I went to West and said, right, and unfortunately it's COVID, but I said to them, what you need to do is have a rugby league ball. Get people back involved. Get them dressed up. Right. You know? Mm. Have, a, have You know, raise money. Show that you're going to do it. I guarantee you, people who come to your club and watch a show, it won't be a problem. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, you know, we're lucky. We're very fortunate. We've got Souths Juniors, and they are fantastic. Um, but, you know, what? they've taken a lot of battering because of the light rail and COVID. They had five, six years of, you know, bad trade, but they still managed to give two million plus to Junior Rugby League. Yeah, right. The Roosters, maybe 250. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So the disparity there is is one side gives a lot. Now, they don't care where those kids end up, and I'll give an example. Um, 
I think it was last year or the year before, 24 players that played NRL came from South Juniors. Oh, yeah. I remember you talking about that in the back office to the guy from South. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was the highest Metro club. That's and great. on a per capita basis, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Cronulla do very well. They punch above their average. Really? Um, that's the last of the Mohicans. The Manly competition was once a great competition, and I commentated games up there many years ago. There was a, a match between uh, Harbour Valley United and Barara Wallabies. There was approximately 7,000 people came through the gate that day. Wow. Fast forward 10 years, maybe 1,500. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So what are some things that you've seen the New South Wales Rugby League do that, that have been good, particularly from the Newtown Jets' point of view? Uh, I, I think I think from the New South Wales Rugby League perspective is that they've got control of the competition. Okay. And, you know, listen, they look after the foundation clubs. Uh, it's quite simple. The only thing I'll criticise them is that they probably need to promote getting more bums on seats at games. Yeah, right. Because they leave it to the clubs. Yeah. I think there needs to be a whole game approach. Um, they use social media fantastically. And they I think do. this oh, year right. with the broadcasting, yeah. once people watch it and they see people at the ground, more people will go. Yeah. And I was a harsh critic in the in the 80s when ABC went to match of the day at 3 o'clock. I said, are you crazy? No one will go to the game. No one will go to the game. I was so wrong. Mm. More people went to the game. And the philosophy was, if they see more people at the ground, they'll want to see what they're missing out on yeah, because it's never yeah. on the same unless you're there at the game. And that was a great advertisement throughout the, you know, that 80s into the 90s of the Winfield Cup at the time. And it was brilliant. And I was the harshest critic in the world about it. It won't work. And I remember being at school going, ah, and they'll call me Albert the Idiot and all the rest of it. And I was wrong. Mm. Because let me tell you, I love going to the Saturday match of the day at 3 o'clock. Yeah. And that's the thing about the New South Wales Rugby League. Your Henson Park, your Lidcombe Oval, your North Sydney Oval, your Leichhardt Oval, yeah. three o'clock match of the day for these second tier clubs. A lot of people get disenfranchised with NRL. Yep. They'll come back. Yep. They push it right, they turn the button. Newtown won't be the only one with four or five thousand crowds. Yeah. And so that's been, that, do you think that's been a Newtown thing spe- specifically? Is that why Newtown has so many people? Because the club itself is doing a great job? Or do you think because New South Wales Rugby League itself is on a trajectory, it's like Both. everyone's going up? Or combination. The, the good thing about, the thing about Newtown is that people are the greatest advertisement of your product. Yeah, right. And you go there and you'll bring a mate. Yeah. That's 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you walk in the gate, that's 20 bucks for the club. Yeah. Now, you and I could probably do eight or nine schooners. Yeah. So there's another, what, eight bucks for me? Yeah. But if you spend more than $100, you'd be doing well. You can get from the from your home to the ground and back again, and you probably, if you spend 100 bucks, yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. a good afternoon and it's cheap. Yeah. Plus the kids come for nothing under yeah. 16. Parking was free. Parking's free. You know, we can't, this year's going to be a lot harder because of COVID, so no jumping castles this year and things like that. Yeah, right. But next year there will be. You know, we'll be back to normal in one or two years. Yeah. It's a little bit harder this year. It's going to be, you know, I I think I understand why they they had to shut it down last year. It was was really sad. Yeah. Because uh, Newtown were the premiers. Uh, But this year, you know what, I think we're going to go okay too. I think we're going to be right up there in the mix. Yeah. But you want to see more people at Bear Park. You know, there's there's an underlying thing about the western suburbs when they come back to Lickham Oval. I'd love to see them play a game at Pratton Park. Yeah, right. I don't think they're too far away. They've just got to, if they can do one game a year at Pratton Park against 
North Sydney or a new town yeah. I, or South, yeah. I'll get 4,000 people. And do you think there's a real, while we're talking about those foundation clubs and, and you've just named a bunch there that we know are popular, Bears, Souths um, and you guys, do you think there's a real chance that it can become a real second like tier and a real popular like could it be that instead of worrying about we, we leave the NRL and it's and it's lack of expansion where it is and the New South Wales Rugby League and Queensland Rugby League are the expansion place and that's where not purists but you can you can really love a go back to that tribalism yep yep Okay, well, I think we make that up. Tribal, tribalism is, is what's most important. I would eventually like to see, and I don't know whether we've got the time to do it, but I would like to see like a challenge cup. Yeah, right. So the top three sides in Queensland played the top three sides in New South Wales yeah, yeah. over a period of a couple of weeks on four-quarter football, maybe on a Wednesday night at 8.30 at Leichhardt Oval, yeah, like yeah. the old, right? <laughs> or at... Another Ampol's back. I know it's not Anco, but Ampol's back. Well, funny you should mention that. I'll I'll catch up with the chairman in a few weeks. (laughs) But um, I I think that there's that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, right. And so if you get in the top three or four, say make it the top four, you get a bonus, and you're going to get in next year's competition to play a round robin comp, and you know it's worth some money. So maybe there's a way there to engage a different fan. Yeah, right. And I think Wednesday night on Foxtel or uh, whoever else is booked at the New South Wales Rugby League website. Yeah. I promise you, they'll be good. I reckon they'd get 60 to 80,000 views. Mm. Easy. Mm-hmm. And the more people that watch it, I think the website's probably the way to go. Yeah. And eventually pay-per-view, you know. Yeah. But very people now have a smart TV. And once you download the app and press the button, you're on your way. You're, almost, you're watching free-to-air TV almost. Yeah. And I think that that's where it's got to be. And I, I think that is that would be fantastic. And is that then the future for Newtown? Is it is it to try and, for you personally also, to try and help New South Wales Rugby League get bigger and better so that Newtown is in a bigger Absolutely. stage? Or is the it more, the more people, the more people that, uh, the more successful that Newtown is and engage. I mean, we, we bring in third-party people to come and look at things. And the Beer, Food and Footy guys were the uh, music and beer company, I think they're called, uh, and they were fantastic. They started off small and the last, as you know, the last BFF was Not just real. unbelievable. Yeah. Nobody had a bad word. The police didn't have a bad word. I went to the sergeant and I said, any, the commander was there, any problems? They went, yeah. you didn't need us. Yeah. But we loved being here. Yeah. Um, it's like a musical festival, but it's a football festival. It's exactly. Unreal. And I and I think that can only grow. Yeah. Now, they were going to expand it into North Sydney and South and maybe Western suburbs as well. And maybe make everything with a tinge something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but I think what we can do is, is you know, the better that Newtown do, I'm happy to have North a, a, a Foundation Day at Henson Park. Right. And we share that every couple of years at various grounds. Whoever can cope with it, right? It would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah. Even Leichhardt Oval. I mean, you know, there'll be a purist that go, oh, you can't have West Bay at Leichhardt. Well, you can't have them at Lincoln because there's not too... Uh, sheds, but there is a like Um and I and I think that would be fantastic. Mm. You know, Foundation Day, and I think uh, if the day's right, I can't I can't tell you how many people would go. But I remember the semi-final, Newtown and Norse. Uh, it was 2012 when they won the premiership, and Newtown got a penalty and won, got through to the next round. It was Norse for the taking, and they threw it away. But you know, that's rugby league. But there must have been 6,000 people there. I think they were underestimating the crowd. There was no promotion. Yeah, right. It was all social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, 2012, Facebook and Twitter were big, but they weren't as big as what they are now. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So if you if you market it right, and even the old-fashioned ones, a page in the Daily Telegraph or the local paper, people still read it. It's a different market. I think the most important thing are bloggers. You get into their psyche, or they'll talk about rugby league, but they'll talk more about rugby league. And I think they're important because the more people that talk about it, especially the bloggers, and I've always had a great opinion, some are good shows, some aren't. Some do it for their themselves, but there's some cracking interviews that have gone out there. Mm -hmm. I've done a few, you've done a few. Um, Fire Up, Chris Gale. Yeah, yeah. Jack Clifton did one uh, with a couple of St. George players. The Roosters was, they've all done different things. And bit by bit, if you can get a little, um, couple of those interviews, they're, they're quality interviews. Mm. Because they're not being threatened, the person, when they're talking to them, because we're not journalists. Yeah. We're not after ulterior motive. Yeah. We just want to hear their story. Yeah. And we'll ask them a question too. It might be one or two curly ones, but that's okay. Yeah. You know? You know, you hear the funny stories, but but you get it from different perspectives. We're fortunate enough, last year we spoke to a lot of chief executive officers, and those that did give us their time were nothing short of fantastic. And what they did was they showed where they want their club to be. Strong leaders. Yeah. Blake Solly, Justin Pascoe, fantastic. You know, uh, Lee Hanjimitalis for the Tigers, the chairman. Unbelievable. You know, he's a big backer of rugby league, Brighton's lawyers. Wow. When you yeah. think about how much money they give, yeah, they make a few bob, but they give yeah, a lot well, of money. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so, well, what, what, Albie, would you want people to do if you if they've heard this and they felt inspired, they want New South Wales rugby league to be better, they want Jess to be better, what do you want them to do? One, become a member of whoever it is that you love. Yeah. Cost anywhere from 20 to 100 bucks. Turn up to two games. Don't come to every game if you can't. Just come to two games and see if you like it. Don't judge it on the first game. Judge it on the second game. And then bring your mate to the third game. I guarantee you he'll bring a mate to the fourth game. And, the, and when we have the kids' day, the whole family will be there by the sixth game. Yeah. But just come. Don't judge it on the first. But come and support them because it filters through. You know, if we can have a bit more money in the bank, every if every second-tier club had a bit more money in the bank, we'd be able to pay for a bit more quality. And the quality of football will only get better and better and better. Yeah. What I really want is I want those reserve-grade players that are almost at the end of their careers to give one year to a second-tier club, just like um, Greg Eastwood. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he came, went back. He yeah. went back and he gave a year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know what? He probably wasn't as fit, but he won the premiership. He, won, he didn't play in the, the state, but he played in the national. He kicked yep. the, the goal at the last minute. Yep. And they won. But if we can get that and it'd be subsidised by the NRL, or say they're still playing with South and they come back, but they've got to, they can't go back up. They can only play down. Yeah. Right? So they've retired. They're in a second-tier contract. Okay. They're playing one more year. And the club pays it, but it's not included in a salary cap. So they can structure it towards the end. He will teach you and he will teach me some good things. Yeah, yeah. He may teach me some bad things, but you get one or two of those. And, and there are, but I want those players. Then I want that player to maybe play an A grade game or two. Trickle back down all the way. Trickle back down yeah. like they used to do. Yeah. Arthur Beetson played one of his last games in Sydney, I think, for the Coogee Penguins, I think. He was with them or Pagewood, not 100% right. sure. Right, right. And a mate of mine played with him one of his last games. He played eight grade. Yeah. I think he got 500 bucks the match. Yeah, right. He's got that on his memory bank. There was yeah. no phones back then, but that's just what it was, yeah, you know? Yeah. 
I really want to see that happen. The only kind of modern-day thing I can think where that kind of happens is with a Koori knockout. We see lots yeah, of yeah. current NRL or past NRL players going back and playing with those. And, and, and they love it. Teams and they love it, yeah. They, and all of those things, they often have a target in their back and they cop a few high ones. But the they inter- do. But they often also win because their team is lifted and everyone's feeling that and you got one short And ball. that's what they bring to the game. Yeah. And, you know, you do that. And they bring fans. And they bring fans. You still are literal Mitchell that close. You know, and you know what? Go. He'll sign the autographs and he'll yeah. look after them. You know, we get it. I mean, I I never got to see Arthur play live. I saw him on the TV. But I got to see Larry Coral. I got to see Percy Knight. I got to see David Grant. Some great players, you know. I loved them. They were just unreal. You know, David Grant, I think, could have been the next Arthur Beast. And I really liked him. I mean, he wasn't a saint. But, geez, he had a go. You know, Ricky Wolford. Um, the Blacklocks. Yeah. Both of them. Johnny Ferguson. We grew up with him. Yeah. And, and that's the one great thing, and I know it goes sideways with the subject, but we never saw them anything but great rugby league players. I didn't care about their race, colour or creed. Yeah. I didn't care. I only saw them as playing for Newtown, Canberra, Balmain, West, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for Arthur, it was, I saw him on the TV playing Parramatta. And it was the right at the end of his career when he played for them, and it was a Craven Mild Cup match, and it was on really late on a Saturday night. Um, and they, I think it was against Easts, and maybe Bob Fulton were playing as well for Easts. I think he was playing 580. It might have been 7980 actually. And um, and I remember seeing Arthur play, was, you know, at the, the under the eye, the grease, and the ball was that um, brown and white ball, you know, oh, the yeah, strike style yeah. ball, you know, the night ball. and. I think it was like hard over. It might have been, yeah. But geez, it was it was fantastic. God, it was cool. You know, it was it was it was Craven Mile Cup. I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah, back then. You know, I mean, we missed that preseason. You know. Yeah. But the NRL, the players get injured. You know, they had the sevens, and then I remember St George playing in the sevens, and we're going really well. And then Trent Barrow broke his foot, and that was the end of the season. It was yeah. all over. It took him years to recover. So it's just a question of just getting the balance right, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go out and get a membership, go to a game. That's it. That's all you can do. Thanks, Alberta. Best name in rugby league, mate. It's good, isn't it? Chasing Kangaroos is brought to you by Matt Haynes Sport. We are mixed and produced by Paul Murchison. Our theme music was written and recorded by Ash Barco and Ricky Cancino. The podcast is hosted by me, Michael Carboni, and The Biggest Tiger. Views are our own. Mm-hmm.